you know, having, especially your first child, it is such a switch in how you view yourself. Suddenly, your entire focus is being mom. It's this constant fear almost of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it right? Like, am I going to mess this kid up? They don't come with a handbook. Am I doing the things I'm supposed to do to give them the best start? You're so concerned and wrapped up in being a good parent and being a good mom that you lose what made you, you. That's Erin. She's our protagonist on this body odyssey. Pregnancy was not kind on my body. Um, I was on bed rest for a while and I had preeclampsia and it was a whole slew of just, just wasn't my deal. I, I wasn't good at being pregnant. Erin's a mother of two, high school chemistry teacher, great sense of humor. I tend to be a pretty private person as I sit here on a podcast. If any of Erin's students are listening, you're lucky to have her. But Erin was not so lucky when it came to having her own children. Um, Pregnancy is no joke. Like dealing with postpartum hormones and everything, I was coming in at 200 pounds, which is not where I wanted to be and not where I should be for my height. Difficult pregnancy, the exhaustion of delivery, then months of sleep deprivation that comes with a newborn, and in Erin's case, substantial weight gain. But more significantly, a deepening internal feeling of being weighed down. Um, And I wasn't healthy, and I wasn't feeling right about myself and all those things. So I was looking for something um, to get, just first of all, to be healthier and some time for me, some time that wasn't about the kids and wasn't about any of that. Um, I can acknowledge that now that dealing with postpartum was part of my journey through that, yeah. This is My Body Odyssey, a podcast about the rewards and challenges of active lifestyle. I'm Robert Pease. Special thanks to Aaron for helping bring awareness to the important topic of postpartum depression. And I'm Valerie Wences. Today, we'll be exploring all the angles of postpartum depression, including the potential benefits of activity and exercise for new moms. Postpartum affects millions of women each year. CDC research shows about one in eight women experience depression after giving birth. It's more widely recognized, discussed, and treated than a few decades ago, but still not nearly as much as it should be, given its prevalence and impact on mothers, couples, and kids. New moms need to take time for themselves. In Erin's case, that turned out to be finding some mom on the runtime. Uh, my friend Janet um, had signed up for a 5K. She's like, you know, you should train and you should do this with me. Let's go back to where we first met Erin, at the finish line of the Mainly Marathon in Sanford, Maine, back in 2019. This was a triumphant moment for Erin. She just completed her first marathon, something that seemed unthinkable two years earlier during that difficult pregnancy. My body wasn't good at being pregnant, and my body wasn't good at breastfeeding either. So when I was feeding my son, if I tried to start exercising too much, my milk supply would plummet, and it just wasn't... I couldn't couldn't exercise and feed him. So once I weaned him after he was a year old, that's when, um, you know... My husband and I sat down and I said, I need to do something. I need to get back to me because I was never an overweight person. Um, And I was at that point and I wasn't healthy. Starting down that running path, Erin had the support of her husband, an important nudge from her friend and fellow teacher, and the guidance of a running app. 
So I downloaded an app, one of those like couch to 5K things, and I started there. And I started walking and I was horrifically slow, but I got up and I did it. And my husband is wonderful and we found the time to let me do it. So at the end of the summer, I ran my first 10K. And um, again, my time was abysmal for, for where, you know, where I am now. Um, I was just happy to do it, happy to be, have done it. Happy to have done it. In other words, Erin's mood is elevating as she becomes a more regular runner and accomplishes her goals. And with some success at shorter distances, these goals became more ambitious, again, with the help from her fellow teacher and running partner. And then my friend, who's out running now, said, I have an idea, and I think you should come with me. I was like, please, tell me more. So she said, I'm going to do a marathon, because she's not, this is her first as well. I said, well, that's fun. Good luck. Cheery on. Good job. And she's like, you should come with me. I was like, hard no. Not going to happen. Um, but she talked me into it. She's very good at talking people into stuff. Then the really hard work began, including a serious change in diet. I talked to my doctor about it, and um, we came up with a plan where I was running for athletic activity. I also um, did a keto diet for about six months, um, which is a low-carb, high-fat, high-protein diet. Um, and again, that's that's a commitment because you have to track everything, and that that's really hard. Um, so I did that about six months, which got me closer to where I wanted to be. And the more weight I lost, the easier it was to run, too. You know, when you first start out, you're just, it's a, it's a lot of body mass to be hauling. Um, but learning how to, you know, so once I started seeing progress, that just motivates you to do it more. Progress fuels more ambition, but that running app kept Erin from doing too much too soon. Before, whenever I had tried to run longer distances, I would go too hard too fast. And then the next day, I would hate my life. And I would be like, why do people do this? This is terrible, blah, blah, blah. So for me, I needed something to tell me to slow down and to break it into more manageable training. Sure, the running app helped Erin make steady progress when out on her runs, but it wasn't always easy getting out the door for those runs. At the time, I had two really small kids, and it was, um, you lose yourself for a while. Like, you, it's hard to be anything more than mom. Um, so for me, getting into running the running part of it, at least, was really more about finding something that was for me and just for me, that I could get out and put time and effort into something that was putting me first. There are times when you're going to walk out the door and your kid is going to be crying behind you. He's fine. He's with dad. Like, nothing bad is going to happen. But mom guilt is hard. Like, that impacts your training sometimes, too. We spoke with Dr. Shoshana Bennett, or Dr. Shosh, as she likes to be called, about that mom guilt. Uh, often it is difficult, again, with a myth of motherhood of baby always comes first, children always come first. We need to get rid of that. She's a licensed clinical psychologist who in 1987 founded Postpartum Assistance for Mothers. She's also a former president of Postpartum Support International. And she's personally struggled with postpartum depression. I mean, obviously, do we need to focus on our children and their needs? Yes, but you're, you're taking care of yourself for your children. Erin did push past that mom guilt, learning in the process that taking care of herself meant taking care of her whole family. Santa Claus also played a role in keeping Erin on track. He brought the essential present for anyone running through the winter in Erin's home city of Buffalo, New York. 
I, unfortunately, yeah, I hate running on the treadmill, but um, we had to. We, we got a treadmill, especially when I signed up in November. Um, and it was like, well, I'm going to have to train in January, so treadmill's going to have to happen. Um, so that was my Christmas present. I have my Nordic track in the basement. And for those warmer winter days of 20 degrees and up in Buffalo, she also had the appropriate running attire. So I have the craziest Under Armour, um, like 4K base layer stuff. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you take when you're going to go climb Mount Everest. Uh, So I have that. (laughs) Um, And then I do have... um, Spikes, what are moose tracks? What do they call them? Um, that do slide. Yak tracks? Yeah, those ones, yak tracks. Um, I do have those. I try not to run when it's like ice, ice though, because I have absolutely bitten the ground. <laughs> um, but the most important ingredient for Erin may have been her own tenacity in biting that frozen ground or hitting some other wall but pushing ahead and continuing to train, which she did right up to the finish line of her first marathon where we first spoke to her. You know, so as hard as it can be and as much as you might struggle to get out there, at the end of it, when you're done and you have that rush of adrenaline and serotonin or whatever, um, you feel wonderful. You feel great. Um, Like right now, I feel great. I definitely need a shower. I'm sure I'm stinky. I apologize to everybody. Um, And I definitely, you know, I'm probably going to be hurting a little bit tomorrow, but, you know, you feel like you took over the world and you feel like you did something with your day. Like, you know, it's noon-ish, and I can say I ran 26.2 miles this morning. Wow. Wow. Mission accomplished for this mom on the run. She stuck to her diet and training over that year and a half. She finished her first marathon. But most importantly, her mood and confidence improved. Erin had a lot of things going for her in meeting that challenge. Her supportive husband, her insistent and persuasive friend, her own tenacity. So we wondered, is this a unique story? Or are there other moms and dads on the run out there with similar odysseys? We played some clips for Dr. Mark Stoutenberg of Temple University, He designs exercise and specifically running programs for public health. Yeah, I mean, that that was my typical person in in our running program. Um, There's just so many people that came out. Like, we were not elite people I worked with. It was was people exactly like that. I mean, we had a plethora of high school teachers. um, And then the word would spread, and a friend would tell another friend, and they would come out. And... um, you know, I just think there's a lot of things to, to, to you know, hang on to with what she said is one, the, the husband providing the social support, the friends providing a different type of support, um, the technical support from the app, you know, like all these things are really crucial to actually, you know, helping her stay on path. And then once they, once folks kind of adopt this healthy lifestyle, it, it really becomes addictive. In addition to the external support she received, Erin was also conscientious about setting goals, scheduling runs, and tracking progress. But um, for me, at least, I needed a goal. I needed a deadline. I needed a day and a time that I could point to and say, you better be ready because this is coming on that day. So for me, signing up for that race was such a huge first step. And then training for it every time I finished a workout and I had this whole you know training rubric spreadsheet situation like a cross off the day. And I felt such a sense of accomplishment. Like I'm one step closer to doing something that's just for me. 
Um, but it was really, it was having that epiphany of if I keep doing what I'm doing, nothing's going to change. And I knew I wasn't happy with where I was. Setting goals and tracking progress. Are these key elements in battling postpartum? We reached out to Dr. Shosh for an expert viewpoint. That's the key. Each person uh, needs a plan that is well-suited for that personality, for their functioning level, etc. Et so um, the take-home message to your listeners shouldn't be, I have to run a marathon in order to beat postpartum depression. It should be, you know, find something where we're not necessarily a huge project, but on a daily basis um, or uh, you know, there could be a bigger, long, more long-term project. It could be cleaning the garage that's going to give them a great satisfaction. After that initial finish line interview in 2019, we didn't speak with Aaron for another two and a half years. And it was a rough two and a half years for all of us. The COVID years, the outbreak, the quarantine, then variants and new outbreaks. We wondered how she was doing, and we worried a bit, too. Depression does have a high rate of recurrence. Lots of people gained back lots of weight during COVID. And healthy habits like running were made so much more difficult, especially for parents of young kids. But it turned out Erin had come through COVID in seemingly good emotional shape, if no longer ready to run a marathon. At the time, I was just in survival mode. I think everybody was. And, you know, keeping up with training was not on my radar at all at that point. So I pivoted. Um, and also leaving the house was tough. Um, I still, I have two little kids and my husband was still trying to figure out how he was going to work from home. And I was trying to figure out how to work from home and we were trying to teach kindergarten remotely. So getting out for runs was not going to work. So I didn't really run in 2020 much. And then last winter, when it looked like a lot of the races that had been postponed were going to start to run again in spring of 2021, I signed up for another half marathon again with uh, the same group that I did my main marathon with. And how about uh, any kind of app? You you credited the app for helping you get started. Mm -hmm. are, are you still using apps at this point or you, or, or you no longer need them? It Honestly, it depends on my mood. I still do occasionally. I pull out the same app that I used to do my original training um, just to get intervals because I find that really works well for me. Um, you know, where it's you run for five minutes and then you walk for two. And I'll use those types of things, you know, to kind of, first of all, to pace myself, but also I'll do sprints then where maybe the first five minute interval of running, I'll try and run at a faster pace than what I would do, a, you know, a half marathon at. We asked Erin what her biggest challenges were during this period of remote teaching and 24-7 parenting. You know, it, it's time, right? Time is the, there's never enough time to do anything. Um, but so finding that time and making it a priority um, was definitely a challenge, you know, especially with, I think I spoke about this the first time we talked, you know, that mom guilt of leaving your kids and they're fine. They're beyond fine. They probably don't even know you're gone half the time. The importance of being able to leave kids for the sake of kids is very much confirmed by Dr. Shosh. What I help my clients do is uh, change the the self-narrative, you know, so they're patting themselves on the back as they walk out the door with their kid trying to hold on to their leg. 
You know, they're saying, good for me, good for me, good for me. This is what good mommies do. I'm recharging my batteries. I mean, this is the only job where uh, breaks aren't mandated by law. I mean, if we don't set them up, they don't happen and we get depleted. And depletion leads to depression. In Erin's case, with less time to run and more obligations at home, mom on the run became mom on the Zoom. I couldn't leave the house because I had to stay home with my own children. So we set up this situation where they were, you know, like basically uh, Zoom workouts. So every morning at 9.30, we'd log into Zoom and there would be 15 to 20 of us and someone would lead a workout for half an hour, 45 minutes, whether it was, you know, resistance bands or just using your own body weight. We were using soup cans, anything in the house, right? I was doing push-ups with my son on my back. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> the dogs are all, you know, it, it, we were making it work with what we had, but it was a really, it was a really special group of people. And I do still talk with them. Um, That's awesome. So it's kind of like goat yoga, but without the hooves, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing anything we could, you know, bicep dips using chairs and people's counters were breaking. It was, it was a laugh. <laughs> And that's the most important aspect of this body odyssey, the behavioral journey from depression to the ability to laugh again, even during the stress and uncertainty of COVID. Like when you have a classroom full of kids on your computer screen and a couple of your own kids Zooming or possibly Zooming around at home. And today, somewhat post-COVID or at least past the worst of it, Erin is maintaining balance amidst the chaos of parenting, even without daily doses of that runner's high like anything, it ebbs and flows, right? There's weeks when there's a month that goes by when I'm really focused and I feel really good about what I'm doing. And then there's another month where life, life happens and it's been hard. We've lost people in the past two years and people have moved and close friends have undergone divorce and every week is different. Every day is different sometimes. So it's squeezing in those moments when you can, even if it, you know, you're getting up at 4.30 to go for a run or you put the kids to bed at 8.30 and you're down on the treadmill because that's what you need to do. Postpartum depression, definitely something that needs to be talked about. And we learned from Dr. Shosh that 10% of fathers also experience postpartum-like symptoms. But there are now some substantial networks of support groups for postpartum, including Postpartum Support International, an organization that Dr. Shosh led for many years. There's a more complete list of resources in our show notes. Many thanks to Dr. Shosh for her expertise on postpartum to better inform Erin's story and emphasize that new mothers do not need to run a marathon or run at all to find a behavioral path forward. That said, regular activity or exercise can be an important part of the overall plan. Next up on My Body Odyssey, we all know life can be unfair, but isn't it particularly unfair when someone young, fit, and healthy is afflicted with a potentially life-threatening condition that immediately threatens her livelihood? Our protagonist, Jessica, is a respected yoga teacher with graduate degrees in anatomy and physiology, a former Division I swimmer, but she now needs to be cautious demonstrating even the most basic yoga movements. Because um, at this point, I, you know, I was young, I was healthy. I, um, so then I was, you know, I got the ultrasound and then they did my left arm. They're like, we just want to be able to compare. And then I went into the waiting room and 
doctor came back and he's like, you do have a blood clot. But yeah, I, I, and I was just like, what? Um, we hope you'll join us for that episode. If you have an odyssey you'd like to share, go to our website, mybodyodyssey.com, or find us on social media to send a message or provide some show feedback. I'm Robert Pease for the rest of the production team. My Body Odyssey is a Fluent Knowledge production, original music by Ryan Adair Rooney. <laughs>